Maria. Hi everyone, it's been a while. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And welcome to the second season of the City of Subdued podcast. Bad Town. So we are doing things a little differently this season. Yes. This season, we are working with some Bellingham locals to bring you amazing new content. Marissa McGrath, founder of The Good Time Girls and current assistant director of the Downtown Bellingham Partnership. And currently my neighbor. Yes, that's true as well. And also Colby Labrie and Ren Urbekite, the current owners and operators of The Good Time Girls. So uh, throughout the season, Maria and I are going to take turns being in each episode with two out of the three of our guest co-hosts. So today's episode, we will be joined by Marissa, Colby, and Maria. And Maria and I will join back again at the end of the episode for our local treasures. In season one, we got to know all about the great things in our town, including some of our favorite businesses and people. This season, we wanted to get into some of the darker parts of Bellingham history. Bellingham has not always been the place that we know and love today, but this season we will be learning more about the darker parts of history that has shaped our city. Welcome to Bad Town. Hello, it's Maria, and welcome to Bad Town, where we discuss the darkest and baddest parts of Bellingham and Whatcom County history. We are joined today by Marissa. Hi. And Colby. Hello. From the Good Time Girls. Before we dive into the episode, who are the Good Time Girls? Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, for people who might not know, um, the Good Time Girls is a tour company that started in 2012, and it focused on creating a Sin and Gin tour, which explored the history of vice, particularly around early sex work in Bellingham, and we created a tour called the Gore and Lore Tour, um, which was about like local legends, including ghost stories, but also real like mayhem and murder. And I owned it with my business partner, Sarah Halodnik for years. We opened a small store downtown and then we handed it off to Colby and another good time girl, Ren, who might occasionally join us, which I'm looking forward to. And Colby is now the the sole proprietor of, of the good time girls. And yeah, do you want to tell more about good time girls these days, Colby? Yeah, just that there's been, you know, some changes in the midst of this historic pandemic. So we've basically really streamlined everything down and are just trying to kind of tread water and get through this. So we've been doing a lot less. We are doing tours, private, small groups of your household or your pod or your trusted friends and whatnot. So we are available with a lot of precautions and masks. It's a great way to get out of the house in a relatively safe environment, I feel like. So we'd love to have any and all people hit us up for a fun tour. Okay. So Marissa and Colby, What can you tell our listeners about your backgrounds as far as education and work experiences that led you to love history so much? 
my degree is in cultural anthropology. So I approach history with a really like kind of big whole, whole groups of people are, are handling things. And I really like to dissect culture. And Colby is really great at like the local on the high local level at the deep dives in local stuff. It's true. I did. I have a degree in anthropology, Ooh. also cultural anthropology from Western. But while I was a student at Western, one of the classes I took was basically interning at the Watka Museum in the photo archives. And while I was there, I really fell in love with local history. The archives are in the building that's the old fire station next to Old City Hall on Prospect Street, all now the Watka Museum, both buildings. But at the time, it just felt really special because my dad, being a fireman, I had a lot of childhood memories of that spot. So I fell in love with local history there. And Jeff Jewell, the archivist up there, and at the time, Tony Nagel, were amazing and um, really influenced my love of local history here. And how exactly did you two meet? We met because you were performing at an event that Sarah and I were emceeing at. It was a Movember event, a uh, a mustache. That was epic. Yeah, <laughs> a celebration of the mustache in the attempt to raise awareness about, I want to say, testicular cancer. <laughs> It might have some part of the male anatomy. Just prostate cancer. cancer. Prostate yeah. cancer, just male male private part cancers. Man cancer. Not to make light of them, but I just can't remember what yes. they decided that mustaches were related to. Um, and so we met at an event because you were performing with Dirty Bird Cabaret, which is um, was your burlesque troupe. To call it a burlesque troupe is to kind of not explain enough what it is. It was very, you guys use a lot of humor. Um, It's hard to explain. I mean, burlesque traditionally is humor and making fun of things. We had a lot of dance background. We did a lot more dancey stuff. But we also threw in traditional burlesque in the mix. And yeah, our focus was very much on humor. We weren't like trying to be super, super sexy as much as we were like, sex is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't like a lot of glitter bras. So how did you get the name The Good Time Girls? Can you tell us a little bit about some of that history? Yeah, so the so Sarah Halanik and I, my former business partner, now current soulmate, she and I decided we were going to need to, a name, which is my heart. I hate having to name things. I don't know if that's the experience of anyone else, but I can come up with a really good idea for a fun project. But then the minute I have to name it, it's really hard. We wanted to, we knew we were going to be dressing up as women who were working as sex workers in the early 1900s and the late 1800s. And we wanted to embody those characters with a lot of agency and a lot of respect. And also we wanted people to have fun on our tours. We wanted to convey that was fun. And honestly, we were like, well, we need to, maybe we'll do something that kind of references sex work, but not in a way that bums people out. So there was some of the, some of the phrases that got used to describe sex workers in the early 1900s and late 1800s, things like uh, soiled doves, (laughs) <laughs> that's a real one that people used to refer to gross. to sex workers as yeah i know right i hate the word prostitute i fallen women fallen women yeah so it was just like none of that that doesn't sound like people that are operating from a place of agency at all and we really wanted to kind of highlight how sex work has gotten you know a bad rap and has for a long time so we chose the name good time girls which was a, a contemporary phrase for for women who worked as sex workers at the turn of the century and 
And we also thought it was a great way to promote that people were going to come on one of our tours and have a good time. Like it, it doesn't, you don't have to look at it through a sexual lens at all. It's just, we're here to help you have a good time. Now at the time, and now too, we were a little uncomfortable with kind of limiting it by saying we're girls. It's weird to me, especially now that I'm in my later thirties to refer to myself as a girl instead of a woman, but also just the like the narrowing of what, you know, the, the really like kind of binary gender phrase of that and it, the exclusivity we've never had. We've had many guides over the years and I know Colby has new guides now too. We've never had a male good time girl. We would sometimes refer to people that were really into us as good time guys if they were, um, if they identify as male. So like never had male or trans participants. And I feel like sometimes the name itself is a little limiting in that sense, but I still like it and it holds a soft spot in my heart. Yeah, it's a great name. You know, there are all the limitations, which you just mentioned, and also the limitation of trying to Google that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. one, One time early on, like 2013 or something, we were just starting to like, you know, be searchable online and be one of the first things that came up in Bellingham if you search for Good Time Girls or whatever. And we got some acknowledgement and some tourism thing or something. And they, and they didn't know what to do with us, which just happens a lot. It's like, we'll get nominated for Cascadia Weekly. We won one year, Best Place to Meet Men, which was a hilarious... <laughs> it felt like a little bit of a troll on us, but in a fun That's way. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. We decided it meant Best Place to Meet the Best Men was on a Good Time Girls tour. But, you know, we always have way more women in the audience than men. Is that still true, Colby? Yes, for sure. Very much skewed on the women's side. <laughs> Just, which is great. Yay, which we love. But I mean, no offense, men. <laughs> yeah, I gave one bachelor party tour ever and I've given a million bachelorette party tours. So yeah, I know. Also gender, that whole thing is has evolved. <laughs> <laughs> has evolved. I mean, since the Good Time Girls began. So a guy calls me and he's like, hi, I'm really interested in your services. And I'm kind of explaining it. And he seems kind of confused. And we're going back and forth. And he, he's like, what? I just saw that you were listed on this website as adult entertainment. And the way that he said it, it made me realize like, oh, he thinks that we're like going to come do some kind of sex work. Like, I don't know if it's stripping or, or actual like sex that he's expecting to be able to pay for. And we ended up having like the friendliest, cheerfulest conversation. <laughs> I was like, oh no, let me explain what it is. He goes, oh, that's not what I thought this was at all. But that sounds fun. I should come sometime. It's like, oh yeah, you totally should. Come on, come take a tour. So yeah, it's uh, it's got its other, the other challenges. So we decided that we wanted to call this season of City of Subdued Batown. And we chose that because in our first season, we really wanted to highlight all of the things that we were proud about, Bellingham, about the city we love. But we also want to acknowledge the fact that it hasn't always and still in a lot of ways isn't a wonderful town for all people. So we chose the name Bad Town to reflect that and there's a history there. So do you want to fill our listeners in a little bit about why that name is important? Well, back in the 90s, when I was a little younger, I was what you might call a train hopping gutter punk. (laughs) (laughs) Bellingham is my hometown. I grew up here. And then I had a little wild period, you know, in my late teens, early 20s. And the group of people that I associated with were known for 
hopping freight trains and hitchhiking around the country. And for whatever reason, there seemed to be a disproportionate number of people from Bellingham doing that. <laughs> so we became known in those traveling circles. Uh, Bellingham was referred to as Bad Town. And, you know, we would bring people back here and, you know, it just got this reputation. And part of that story was, you know, if you go to Bellingham, if you go to Bad Town as a traveler, you were going to be fall under this this idea of a curse that was on the town. And um, it would always sort of suck you back in, which is not something that travelers really, they don't enjoy that. Idea. The traveling <laughs> class of people don't want to, they don't want to put down roots, man. They're just like, they're just going to see where the road takes yeah. them. <laughs> You're going to get stuck there. And Marissa and I, we had started toying around with the podcast a while ago and a number of years back, and we had talked about ideas for names. And somehow that a conversation about Bellingham being called Bad Town had come up. And it just, it really resonated because being the good time girls, mm -hmm. it's like good time girls in bad town and, <laughs> you know, the good, bad dichotomy that, you know, things aren't always black and white. And it's, you can hear a lot of stories about people that are supposedly bad and people that are supposedly good, right. <laughs> but we all know it's not that simple. And this place was a crazy wild west town. Yeah. There was a lot of crimes, crimes against humanity and bad shit happened. Shout out to Shit Town, by the way. <laughs> I know as soon when we were Shit Town came out right when we were starting to talk about Bad Town, I was like, we need to give some space uh, S Town between <laughs> Bad Town and S Town. So Colby, we should provide Maria and the listeners with a little bit of background, and then yeah, the whole purpose of this is to kind of give people right. the juicy details of some of the bad happenings from the early days. So yeah, so it's important that we recognize that the town of Bellingham was built on lands occupied by the Coast Salish tribes, such as the Lummi and the Nooksack. Since time immemorial, we keep finding every... We keep finding more and more history. Anthropologists keep discovering. There was a very recent discovery that they think that there's a possibility that there was Native Americans here like 20,000 years earlier than we originally thought they thought that there were. So um, I think it's really valuable to always make sure that we talk about that as a very at the very start. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we start all our tours, and it's important to recognize that this is Coast Salish lands of the Lummi and the Nooksack and other tribes who have been here a lot longer than a lot of our ancestors and forebears of the Euro-American variety, and that a lot of the history we're going to talk about is a direct result of colonization and uh, driving out of peoples and a lot of really uncomfortable things, but we're going to talk about them anyway. And particularly Bellingham's history is very much wrapped up in the history of the West, obviously. But we are we were founded, if you consider the founding, as when um, white uh, immigrants came here in the first place, um, often referred to as settlers. I like to call immigrants because um, that is what they were. Um, but the first white immigrants to uh, what we now call Bellingham um, were failed 49ers, so people who had attempted to go and make their money off of the gold rush that happened in 1849 in San Francisco. And they're the two dudes. Do you want to talk a little bit about our two uh, guys that we often think of as the, as the founders of what we now know of Bellingham? Yeah, we got Henry Roeder and Russell V. Peabody. They basically met in San Francisco 
and we're failed 49ers and we're looking for a place to start a lumber mill because they needed a new job idea. And clearly they got all the way almost to Canada before they found a spot. (laughs) Yeah. They were looking for a waterfall to power a mill at that time. That's what you needed. So uh, when they got up to around Olympia, they uh, heard through Native Americans that there was a spot north where they referred to as having falling water. And that's where we get the term Watcom, which is a sort of an approximation of the Native American term for falling or noisy water. The lummy term, right? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It might be Nooksack. Okay. Yeah. Different sources give different. I'm not an expert on that. And that's a really important thing to point out is like things referencing right around the time that the town was founded in the 1850s and, and especially earlier than that. It is really hard to find like this idea of like a hard hard fact. <laughs> and so it's, it's, um, we have a lot of kind of like ephemeral and not necessarily hard facts about, um, early Bellingham and it, it kind of yeah. creates, it c- can create some, some, we have to say, we don't know. And at the time there was also the Chinook jargon, which was a sort yeah. of lingo that had developed between all the tribes and the sort of influx of early Euro-Americans, traders and fur trappers. And it was like a pigeon language. Exactly. Yeah, like a mixture of a bunch of different languages. I remember the word for cat in Chinook jargon is pits pits. <laughs> because it's supposed like to be it. the sound that the French fur trappers use to uh, to get a cat to come to them. Pits, pits. <laughs> I mean, that's how I call my cat. <laughs> it's it's an international way of calling a cat. So Rotor and Peabody start a little lumber mill on Wacom Creek. Doesn't really work out for them for the most part. Uh, but while they're there, um, men who they hired to work for the mill are busy basically chopping down all the giant trees that are everywhere and then blasting out the stumps, clearing land. And when they blasted out a stump, they found a seam of coal. And at this time, I will point out that there were actually four settlements around Bellingham Bay that started Whatcom, was around Whatcom Creek, the farthest north. And then you had Seahome. People think of Seahome Hill when they think of Seahome, but it's actually also like all of State Street would be in Seahome. Right, like Railroad Avenue would be in Seahome. Yes, where Old Town Cafe is is the start of Seahome and the end of Watcom. Essentially, in the early days, it was Watcom Creek that divided the towns, and they connected Holly Street over the creek, which was much wider, and so it was a huge viaduct. When that essentially happened, those two towns combined and became New Watcom. Uh, but you had Bellingham down over by Fairhaven, which is the furthest south settlement, settled by Dirty Dan and associates and appreciated by all of my aunts when they come to visit is Fairhaven. <laughs> the right. Fairhaven is for ants is a t-shirt that I want to make or a bumper sticker someday like Virginia is for lovers. Right. They would sell that in Fairhaven. Also, I'm not so. knocking it. I'm just saying it's for ants. <laughs> oh, I'd buy that. It totally is. Yeah. But yeah, so I could go on and on about all the history of all the towns. I can imagine. And we will be getting into those stories and the Bellingham curse next week. So what else could our listeners expect in the up and coming episodes of Bad Town? The city of subdued excitement has some dark history, and we're here to talk about it. This series consists of stories about the quote unquote bad history of Bellingham. Bad being a very subjective thing. Sometimes things are so bad they are good. 
like Good Time Girls, for instance. The original sex workers, who were definitely seen by some as bad and others as very good, hence the name. (laughs) We Good Time Girls are merely tour guides, but we are badass. (laughs) Other things, though, are bad to the bone in a creepy and evil sort of way. So the Good Time Girls have a lot of stories of about bad people doing bad things. Our main tours are called the Sin and Gin Tour, which is about how the town was largely funded by booze and brothels, which a lot of people considered very bad. Then we have our very popular spooky gore and lore tours, which cover creepy history like ghost stories, murder, and true crime. So if something bad happened in Bellingham, we have probably researched it. Our listeners can expect to hear 10 episodes about Bellingham's baddest crooks, spookiest myths, old-timey Pacific Northwest fun facts, and a whole lot of commentary from the Good Time Girls and the hosts of the City of Subdued podcast. Make sure to tune in Mondays to get your fill of these super fascinating legends and all the horrible, unflattering context that accompanies them. That's right. Season two is going to be an amazing journey, and we think you're all really in for a treat. If you've got friends that love true crime, local history, social justice, or just tipsy ladies talking about things, make sure to send them our way. And if you're here for the food and drink talk, don't worry. Annika and I will do local treasures at the end of every episode. That way, we can sing the praises of our favorites and talk about new must-tries in the area. Speaking of which, it's about time to head over to our final and favorite segment. So with that, we are going to say good night to our beautiful friends, the Good Time Girls. And Annika and I are going to talk about our local treasures this week. Annika, did you enjoy that little introduction and teaser to what we're going to be talking about this season? Yes, I did. And I also should say I really I really want to get to know or see Goth Kid 90s train hopping Colby. Is that something we should post to our Instagram for all of our fans to see? I hope so. I think that if you're not following our Instagram, this is the season to do it because Ren and Colby and Marissa have collected and curated many fun photos that pair with our stories and will really enhance the listening experience. Yes. Speaking of our Instagram, you know my Instagram is just businesses. I don't post anything, but I do follow all of our local businesses and we want to make sure that we still shout out to our favorite places and you know keep the the party going as far as local treasures because it is our favorite thing to talk about so Mm. annika do you have any local treasures we haven't been on in a while so there might be a bit of a backlog okay (laughs) there's lots of them but i wanted to give a shout out to storia kuchina maria and i we went for an early lunch this week And we met the owner and found out that they just started doing brunch. So we are going to have to come back again and do the brunch. And I got a zucchini panini. We both got really tasty soup. And we both got their donuts. It's like an Italian donut with Nutella cream in the middle. And they were delicious. They were really good. Yes. And I love the decor of that place. I love the, the vibes. Everybody seems really dedicated. 
to the restaurant and um, everybody seems to take a lot of pride in the work that they're doing. And I just think it's a cool new spot that I hope everybody checks out. Absolutely. I completely agree. My local treasure, oh man, I have such a backlog too. I'm going to mention a couple places that we visited while celebrating our season finale for season one. We ended up at Bellingham's new fine dining establishment, Carnal, for their soft opening. Yes. Um, Which we like stumbled upon. Yes. It was amazing. Those are other really great pictures to check out on our Instagram. We made sure that we visited Backdoor, which has amazing cocktails. And uh, recently, I also got the opportunity to stop by Lorikeet, which is in the old boy howdy spot next to Black Sheep. And I really do think their ceviche is amazing. So those are some really great picks. That's not everything. Believe me, uh, all the places in town, I love you. So you'll see me soon. So I think that about wraps things up. Stay tuned for next week's episode when we learn about the curse of the Chinese miners. And remember to like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also check out our website at cityofthesubdued.com. And a very special thank you to Marissa, Colby, and Ren from the Good Time Girls for being incredible season two co-hosts and for their incredible research. And you can also find the Good Time Girls at bellinghistory.com as well as on Facebook and Instagram. We also want to thank Francisco D'Andrea for our intro and outro music, The Criminals Jazz Band. And lastly, thank you to Maria and myself for doing the editing. We're producers. It's very fancy, isn't it? With that, I want to say to you, Bellingham, so long. A little more subdued, Maria. See you next week. Mm